The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And now, it's time for Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Everybody, it must be Saturday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m., or it might be Wednesday night from 9 to 10 p.m. We're on twice a week to talk about your career, look at the job market, look at the talent pools, look at the economy, which we've been doing a lot lately. Uh, we try to talk about every workplace issue under the sun, and we probably have over the last 400 years I've been doing this. Um, and we have a very interesting topic to talk about today and with a very old and dear friend, uh, Ron Rowell. There are a lot more people working longer past retirement age. I'm one of them. So I'm, I want to hear what Ron has to say too. Uh, but there are consequences for this and, and to the economy, to, um, the great retirement that's going on, um, to the baby boomers that are, that are dropping out of the workforce. I don't think companies are ready for that either. Um, but Ron is an expert on aging. And let me tell you about Ron. He's a veteran's writer, speaker, and radio show host himself who specializes in successful aging strategies, helping people navigate a healthy and productive life as they transition from middle age to elderhood. Ron spent 20 years as a writer and editor at Newsday, Long Island's daily newspaper covering business, workplace issues, real estate, and politics, as well as helping to found Act Two, the paper's weekly section for readers age 50 plus. He now hosts a national internet radio show, 45 Forward, on the Voice America Radio Network. Each week, Ron explores a wide range of topics with guest experts, integrating key components of work and careers, health, finance, family and friends, housing, and individual passions to prepare people for their journey through the second half of life. Ron has written extensively on aging topics, spoken at numerous conferences on our radio and TV shows. He's active in several organizations that support seniors, including ARP, Long Island Chapter, Age-Friendly Glen Cove, the Alzheimer's Association, Long Island Chapter, the National Aging in Place Council, Long Island Chapter, and the Senior Umbrella Network. Ron has developed a special expertise in family caregiving. His new book, The Caregiving Navigator, How to Plan What to Do and Where to Turn When Caring for Your Aging Loved Ones and Yourself was published in October. He's a graduate of Yale University and the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. Ron, welcome back to Radio Job. Great to be here, Scott, as always. Great to have you, buddy. And and uh, we're going to tell a quick story real okay. fast, uh, folks, just, just, just for some fun. Uh, if you haven't heard it, because Ron actually has been on my show m- multiple times and also on, on my TV show when I, when I was on TV. Right. Um, Ron and I met around the stock market crash of 1987. And I had been writing to Ron and actually whining to Ron uh, about all the quotes he was giving to uh, a firm in Chicago called Challenger Gray and Christmas. And I used to say, I wonder why this workplace guy is quoting this firm in Chicago. They don't know a damn thing about the Long Island market. So so I I started writing him letters and I said, well, if you're going to quote somebody, quote a local career guy like me. So never got never got a call. Then the stock market crashed. And within days after that happening, Ron called me and uh, I was shocked. You know, the guy from Newsday, you know, I was like, I was, you know, shell shocked. And um, he asked for my advice. What should job hunters do? And the words move precipitously 
came out of my mouth. And I had never used the word precipitously in my entire life. And I still to this day don't know what made me say those words. Anyway, I wake up the next morning and after the interview and I see the words move precipitously in giant print, you know, says Scott Possessor, president of the name of my company at the time was Career Planning Consultants. And I called Ron again and I said, Ron, is that you best you could do? You move precipitously? You know, so I started whining and complaining to him again. And then the rest is history. We became friends. Mm-hmm. We went to Yankee games together. I was at his wedding, you know, a hundred years ago. And and uh, we've remained friends all these years. And Ron has taken a great turn uh, with with this caregiving navigator, which we'll talk about when we get some time. Right. But first, Ronnie, we have a lot of people working longer than they expected to. Right. Uh, it used to be you retired at 65. I mean, you know, that seems like a long time ago that people said that, but it was the case right. for, for decades. Uh, and now people are working into their seventies, and se- you know, and even eighties. Uh, Joe Biden's in, in his eighties; he's still working. Yeah. Uh, so we're 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 an aging society, and I do suspect that it's somewhere along the line, a lot of these people are going to retire. Now, I wonder if the companies that are out there recruiting for candidates and talent, if they're ready for this great retirement that I think is going to come. Yeah. Um. I think no one's ever ready. Really. Yeah. They think they're ready, but they're never really ready. Um, and, you know, I, I think part of the problem is they look at who's coming up behind us. I'm one of those folks like you. Right. Um, and so they're making some 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 choices and, and calculations about, number one, I need people with expertise. These people have expertise. Uh, they don't need to retire entirely. I can keep them as consultants, mm-hmm. use their expertise to train younger people, mm-hmm. save some money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they... They look at these people and say, well, there's still a passion about them. They still want to be active. They still want to be engaged. You know, if there's a lot of studies that say as you get older, if you lose a sense of purpose in life, your longevity goes way down. You know, so for a lot of folks, including myself, you know, having a sense of purpose as part of your work is essential to keeping you young, literally healthier. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I think is happening. Um, I, I think there's still going to be um, adjustments. I, I think a lot of people, because of the pandemic, um, you know, were working at home and, and they, they like being at home. And then they said, well, why am I commuting? Why am I doing all that stuff? So they made career changes. They made decisions to say, well, my family is more important to me now. I'm going to make it, you know, I'm not going to commute. I'm not going to, I'm not going to work as much. Um, so their priorities did change. And yeah. sometimes what they did at work, you know, having the, the, the pandemic pause, you know, got them thinking about what they really want to do, you know, because many people, you know, as they, you know, you and I have talked before about, you know, as you get older, you're like, hmm, okay, not as much road ahead as it behind. Mm-hmm. So what, what do I really want to do with these years? Mm. So they are retiring or just doing something different. Mm. Um, and it is going to be somewhat of a shock to the system yeah. because uh, um, the, uh, the numbers behind us are, are much smaller mm. um, for a lot of reasons, right? You know, uh, a lot of uh, folks had fewer kids, so the demographics are shifting. Um, and I think uh, there is a there is a, a cultural shift in in reorienting um, you know what work you know means to you. And we go ahead. And one of the, one of the great disruptors here is parents. So if you're fifty or sixty, your parents are eighty or ninety, right? You know, and then you have to kind of take care of them, and mm-hmm. that becomes a problem because you're working still. 
So you're not just sitting around able to take care of your your old your older parents. So um, that becomes disruptive to a person's career, and uh, I know that's why one of the reasons you put together the caregiving navigator right. uh, to help people with the you know the, the right information. You know, it's all such a mystery, Ron. You know, it's like when you have a baby. You know, there's no manual. Baby right. doesn't come with a manual. You can buy a lot of books, but it's not. There's no manual, <laughs> right. um, and there's no manual with older folks either. Exactly. How to deal with it? How to how to get ready for it? How to prepare for it? Um, so and and how not to let it consume you so that it, it disrupts your work. Right. Yeah. And so there have been studies too, looking at levels of stress of people at different ages, and uh, they they've done interesting comparisons to to um, people younger people in their twenties post-college kids and people in their 60s. And there are extraordinary similarities in terms of the levels of stress because in each of these cases, as you point out, you're going from a lot of structure to no structure, potentially. So you've got to figure it out. And there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Like, what do I, as you said, what's the roadmap? Mm-hmm. So you graduate from college. Sometimes, you you know, if you know what you're, if you're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, so, so there, yeah, you have some sort of a map. But if you don't uh, do that, you know, you're wondering, all right, what am I going to really do? Mm-hmm. And the same thing, if you're not going to have a traditional retirement, where you say, well, I'm 65, I'm going to go to Florida, which is nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But if you're not going to do that, if you have a lot of things you want to think about, there's a lot of stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And and as, as you point out, because of longevity, you know, we used to talk about, you know, the sandwich generation, right? So uh, p- baby boomers who were taking care of their kids and then taking care of their parents, um, but and, and now, though, we have, as, as you said, what I call a club sandwich, mm-hmm. you know, people in, in their 60s and 70s taking care of their 90s. And then their 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 kids coming back of them are taking care of them as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's a lot of caregiving and there are lots of um, family stresses and work stresses. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of things you can do about it. And that's part of what I want to do in my book. All right. And we're going to get into the book a little bit later. Right. But let's also, um, I think people might be curious, how did you get involved in this? Like, like you here you were the workplace beat writer. You were the, of Newsday, and you did a fabulous job all those years, Ron, and, and real estate and so on. But how did you get into this aging thing? Well, it, it did start a little bit with the, covering the workplace because in the late 80s and 90s, there, there was quite a bit of work at the time on just looking at, you know, projecting ahead at, at the aging workforce. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of big studies about older workers. And so covering the workplace was different from just covering uh, – previously, people were labor reporters. And I said, no, no, I want to just cover the whole workplace. Mm-hmm. And so I did a number of pieces about older workers – uh, what were the coming trends years from now? Um, you know, Ken Dykewell had just come out with the age wave, mm-hmm. you know, so he, he was looking at all these demographic trends. And then uh, several years later, um, I was actually sitting in on a, I, I got an invitation to a financial planning seminar. And I said, man, okay, you know, I'm not going to write a story about this, but let me see what this guy has to say. Mm-hmm. And what he said was, uh, there were, and there were older people mostly in the audience, and he said, well, how do you think you're going to live? How old do you think your children live? How old do you think your grandchildren live? And so then it became like, wait a minute, there are a lot of years here. Mm -hmm. And so his focus was on financial planning. How are you going to plan to cover those years, Mm -hmm. which are bonus years, but also, you know, add a lot of uh, years to your lifestyle. How are you going to financially cover that? And I started thinking, wait a minute, not only is the finances, but there are all sorts of things. How are you going to live? Where are you going to live? What do you want to do? How do you want to travel? Do you want to keep working? Do you want to retire? Mm-hmm. So all these issues came up. And as a result of this, I mentioned this to my editors. And um, that was essentially, and, and I said that 
the meme I used was just, you know, act two. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you, you got to the traditional retirement age, 50 or 60. It's like, what's your second act? Mm-hmm. And so that's how it started. We started a section called act two, mm-hmm. uh, covering all these different issues, including financial ones. And it was a fabulous success. People were like, Wow. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. This is a concern for us. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a lot of engagement with the, the readers. Um, it was still print at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, this is before um, online newsday papers. Right. But that's how it started. So, and then uh, you gave me a stat here that stuck in my mind. Uh, the labor force participation rate of individuals age 55 and above steadily increasing, reaching a projected 25% in 2024 so 25% of all workers would be over 55 in 2024 yeah it seems like an awful lot yeah and uh, and it's interesting that um you know AARP has done some studies about this and they uh they put together reports called the longevity economy which is I think an important document saying that really looks at the fact that you know we think about older people like oh okay you know now we now we got to support them (laughs) now you know we're the givers, they're the takers, whereas at people over 50 are tremendous givers back. Mm. You know, they contribute a tremendous amount. They're still working, mm-hmm. so they're contributing taxes, contributing income, contributing to the economy. They're volunteering. So, you know, they, they are, you know, a tremendous, they're having a tremendous impact economically on helping the economy keep going. And they're consumer spenders. Exactly. You know, so we, they need, got the, we they, need them. They got the money. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they got the money. Uh, although, we could talk about this. Right. Some other um, all right. So, so you've got a big problem with caring for the, for the people who are older. But let's talk about those that are still in the workplace. You're faced with other things. Right. You know, the beginnings of a cognitive decline, for example, the beginnings of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're not as fast as you used to be. You, maybe you're not as, uh, you can't get to p- from point A to point B as well as you used to be able right. to get it. So how are people compensating for the aging of the workforce? Well, I think that they're, they're freaking out what older workers are, are better at, mm. good at. So if you look at a lot of, you know, basic problem solving, um, if you're looking at, at sheer speed at, at computation and, and going through procedures to solve problems. Mm. Um, younger workers are faster, okay? However, if you're looking at sort of complicated problems that require some experience and that, you you know, your brain sort of stores your experiences and accumulates them, so it has knowledge about these situations. And what they've discovered is that these older workers actually solve problems faster, mm. those kinds of problems, because it requires a lot of a lot of input from a lot of air and it requires life experiences mm. and, and understanding relationships. So I think that they're 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 placing them in jobs where their experience really matters and, and where sheer speed isn't the issue. Mm. Which of course I think is, is gonna be a problem even for younger workers, because even with your speed, you're not gonna beat, you know, artificial intelligence. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean the, the speed of computation, you know, for anyone who's, who's used Chat GBT, mm. you know, the you give them a, a question to solve or, or an essay to write and it's banged out in 30 seconds and mm-hmm. so it's like you're not going to beat that speed mm-hmm. so having knowledge in, in areas which require a broad level of experience across different sectors i think is important so if if your parents if you if you're responsible for your parents now should you talk 
to your boss, to, you know, to your bosses, to the people that you report to and say, look, I have this situation and I'm going to need to take a little time off here and a little time off there and, and get them situated? Or, or, do you let, or do you take it as it comes? Well, I, I'm always a big proponent of talking with your boss mm-hmm. um, because, you know, if you don't talk and, and you're absent or you seem to be distracted, you know, working on something under the desk while, while mm-hmm. you have other stuff on top of the desk, mm-hmm. people sort of start wondering well, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you, if you're open and disclosing the situation is, recognizing, of course, that you're not saying my job doesn't matter, but you're saying I have a situation invariably not invariably, but often a person say, I got gotcha. you. I know yeah. about this problem. You know? I have so, the same problem. Yeah. Right. So it's not as if, so people who are working in caregiving are, are not some sort of special interest group. Mm. They're all of us these days. And it's hard. You go into any room and start talking about your caregiving. And then you'll have five different conversations in 10 minutes with people. Mm. So mention, tell your boss about it and say, and be specific in terms of what your needs are, what, what the issues are. And maybe there are solutions. Maybe, you know, maybe it's just you taking a little bit of time off. Maybe you work out informally these situations. Um, or maybe maybe you, you uh, under the Family Leave Act, there are certain, you know, things that you're entitled to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if, if, you, if you talk about it and, and also keep your boundaries, too. I mean, don't, don't let the, the caregiving intrude on your work. you got to figure out your boundaries, but be clear about them. And also recognize that, you know, as many of us do, that sometimes work can be a refuge from these issues. Mm-hmm. So value your work, value who you are. Don't 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 get totally absorbed in, in the caregiving. And then the the whole uh, uprising that has taken our nation by storm about remote work and hybrid work situations. I have to believe this is have been helpful because this is giving you a little more time at home. Where you may not re- be required to spend the whole day helping somebody, but maybe you get them a glass of water. Maybe maybe you help them take their pills or something. How long does that take? It takes a minute out of your day. But you're right there in the house to do it. Right. So that wasn't happening before. That's right. So COVID may have actually helped that, that overall situation with c- caregiving. I think it did, actually. Um, and, and I think it, it, it was a benefit in, in an interesting way to employers, too. Because you didn't have people who were distracted at work, mm-hmm. who were calling home um, and worried about situations. Um, they weren't, you know, commuting. So they were saving time that way. Um, and as you said, there, especially if the kind of work you were doing on any particular day was, you know, kind of intense solitary where you're writing a report or something, it made sense to, to, to relieve the employee of having to commute, having to be in the office um, on a selective basis. Mm. I do think it's important to be in the office. I'm not saying, oh, we can do everything remotely. A lot of things don't work as well remotely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there are certain meetings that are important face-to-face. There are certain conversations that are important. You know, like you and I looking at each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you're communicating. You're mm-hmm. connecting. You're engaged. So I think that's important. But there are other times when having that capability to fit in what you need to do in terms of caregiving, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. it's not always a big lift, but it's incredibly important that you're there. Right. So, and, and I think as you get older, perhaps you start phasing out. You know, you don't just retire. You, and that's what I'm thinking about doing. That's what I'm thinking about doing, which is, you know, maybe to cut down to four days a week or three days a week and still make a contribution. Uh, maybe make a little bit less money, but rather than just abruptly retire, uh, I'm not ready to do that. Right. Absolutely. 
And I think also employers are recognizing that, wait a minute, Scott's got a lot on the ball still. Mm -hmm. If we have a phased retirement, that gives us some time to save some money and also have him work with people who may take over some of his job. Mm -hmm. So it gives them an opportunity to plan ahead a little bit, you know, because a lot of, as you know, a lot of issues with companies are transition planning. Mm -hmm. So this gives you a little bit of, you know, cushion in in transition planning. You're not losing Scott entirely, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you're phasing out and you're giving each side an opportunity to work out, you know, an amicable transition. Yeah, so phased retirement, I think, is a a very sensible uh, thing to do. Uh, Before we go to the break, uh, the first break, just tell us where where can we get the Caregiving Navigator? Well, it's published on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So if you just go to Mm Amazon.com, you know, search for Caregiving Navigator. Caregiving Navigator. And I pop up. All right, there you go. Your face and everything. Uh, you're listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor and his old friend, Ron Rowell, a brilliant guy that I've always admired and uh, I'm proud to call a friend. Uh, if you have an idea for Radio Jobline, you can be on the show. Just write to me, scottp118 at gmail.com. That's scottp118 at gmail.com. Let me know what your idea is. We're happy to have it on the show. Even if you can't make it, we'll still talk about it here on Jobline. Also, connect with me on LinkedIn. Every show after it's broadcast here on uh, 103.9 FM LI News Radio, we put it on LinkedIn so you can see it and keep a library of shows and uh, go to our blog and see that too at execsally.com. we got a news break coming up. Stay with us. Now, welcome back to Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on LI News Radio. Welcome back to Radio Jobline. You listen to uh, Ron Roel today. He is fabulous, uh, an expert in multiple fields, especially this one we're talking about today, which is the aging population and how to deal with aging in the workplace and take care of people who are aging uh, when you're in the workplace. Uh, and his new fabulous book, The Caregiving Navigator, uh, which I was, uh, you know, a party to years ago when mm-hmm. you when it first became an idea. Uh, and, and, and I wanted to just say, Ron is a... Veteran writer, speaker, and radio show host. Where, when can people hear your podcast? Uh, well, I, I record it live. It's an, an internet radio mm-hmm. on Monday afternoons at uh, 3 o'clock um, Eastern Time. So they'd go to Voice America Network? Yeah, voiceamerica.com, and then you click on and look for 45 Forward, and you click on the show. And then, so you can listen to it live, but then it becomes a podcast. Right. So then you can go to that. You can listen to it anytime after that. You what what are some of the topics that people, let's say the last few topics you've done? Well, I did a topic uh, earlier uh, this week um, with um, people from the Parker Institute uh, about uh, basically um, providing care for caregivers, of especially those with Alzheimer's. Right. So the special needs, you know, the special problems, the issues, the programs they have, the kind of support, you know, for caregivers of Alzheimer's patients. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done show, I've done some shows on careers. I've had you on the show. Right. A couple of times. Clearly, those were some of your better. Shows. Absolutely, big, big, <laughs> big numbers, big numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, and, and so, there are lots of health, you know, uh, coverage. Um, um, I've, I've, I had um, uh, some, some two, two men I met uh, at a conference uh, uh, several months ago from Colorado. Who, uh, you know, 
independently started a, a thing called the Aging Wisely Project out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to network and collaborate with people who are also working on similar issues. I've had people talk about um, uh, consumer fraud, especially elder fraud, mm-hmm. you know, scams. It's right. a big topic these right. days. You have a lot of, I notice a lot of authors and a lot of uh, you know, very intelligent, experienced people that really can get into this. Yeah. So people should listen one more time. When is it on? It's on at three o'clock on Monday afternoons. Uh, voiceamerica.com click on voice click on 45 forward okay with ron Rowell. okay so getting back to where we were you know ron ron and i were talking uh, in the green room just before we came on the air today and we're both getting up there in age and i started thinking you know how many years do you really have left you know, so the I don't know what the average lifespan in America is. By the way, you know what I, what I found out recently? The United States is 24th in the world in longevity. Right. Wouldn't you have said we'd be first in that? Because we have the best technology and, you know, the greatest country and all this other stuff. How could we be 24? How are there 24 countries with greater longevity than the United States? Eating and drinking. Yeah. I, and I, I and guess, lifestyle. Yeah. Lifestyles, yeah. Lifestyle. Fast food lifestyles, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, but anyway, if you get to be in your late 60s, which is not, today that's the late 50s, you know. Uh, right. Uh, right? So, but you really only have 10, 15 years of good, of, of, of good health left. And how do you spend those years? Right. You know, I mean, it's very difficult to, to conceptualize that for someone who's still working, who's still doing the daily grind, who still doesn't even have time to think about that, you know, and, and, and it, because they may be taking care of their elderly their parents. Right. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's a very difficult time for people because it, it seems like there's less to look forward to. Yeah. There's less literal time to look forward to. So in that sense, it's like, well, Plan carefully. So I think people, you know, yes, inevitably as you get older, you face loss. You know, you, you lose your friends. You and I were talking about this earlier. You just inevitably, you're like, wow, I never thought he'd be gone, mm-hmm. you know. So you lose people. Um, you, your family often moves away. So you have to think carefully about how do you turn loss into gain. Mm. So what do you gain from that? Well, you gain some certain clarity. Mm. You start focusing on things that matter. Mm. You start letting go of things that don't matter. Start, you know, getting rid of things in your life, literally, that you, you know, the clothes, the clutter that you don't use, mm. that's basically just there, and it's going to be a problem for your <laughs> your heirs to get rid of because they don't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you try to think about, you know, careful about these years. How do you want to spend them? Mm. How do you want to be productive? Mm. What really matters to you? What, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? You know, so, you know, you can, you do, yeah, so you do estate planning and you do, you know, planning for your heirs, but then it's like, well, what kind of legacy, what, what do I want people to remember about me? Mm. So a lot of people, you know, start thinking about, you know, putting together um, letters for their children about this is who I, this is who I was, mm-hmm. this is what mattered to me, mm. you know, and it's, it, it, it makes a big difference to people. It just seemed, I'm just, my only point was, I'm not sure people think about this enough. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say, I, I think. They need to actually, before they get there, and they begin their cognitive decline, if they're going to have one, right. they should have already been thinking about this. You know, whatever with your wills and trusts and estates and all your financial situations, your family and so on. But you used to talk about having the conversation. Right. Right? right. I remember that was a uh, that was part of your book right. and part of your thinking, and you used to write about it too. Yeah. Uh, how important is having that conversation? Well, it's really critical, and it, it's it's critical, and it's not easy mm-hmm. at the same time. 
Um, and it can happen from often, you know, parents saying, I need to have a conversation with my kids, or sometimes kids saying, I want to have a conversation with my parents. Um, but there are lots of obstacles. There are emotional obstacles. You know, mm-hmm. People don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. In part, I think there's just, uh, I don't know if it's just this culture, but probably predominantly this culture. Um, we don't like to plan much. We like to be spontaneous. And there's something to be said for living every day. Mm-hmm. However, I think that a lot of people have what I call PDD, planning deficit disorder. <laughs> That's a great one. They don't like to plan. Yeah. You know, it's like, so I've got a couple hours. What am I going to do? I'm going to watch football. I'm not going to plan. Right. Um, but you, you need to start thinking about You do need to start. If you, you know, my other analogy is, you know, as you said, life goes fast, you know, yeah. and you need, it's like you're driving, uh, you know, in a fast car and the road is windy, mm-hmm. curvy. Mm-hmm. And you know what happens when you don't slow down around a curve, you go off the road. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happens to a lot of people as they get older. They face inevitable issues of, of health and, play, and, and, you know, and, and financial potential issues. And they don't plan, and they're off the road. When do you think people should have this conversation? Well, I think that you should have this conversation, well, first of all, before there's a crisis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. And people said to me, well, people don't really plan. They, they plan crisis to crisis. Mm-hmm. And my response is, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. It, I want to get people recognizing that is a reality to get them a little ahead of crises. So mm-hmm. I would start having these conversations um, when, when you know, if you're in your 60s or 70s, when, you're, when your children are in their 40s, mm-hmm. um, you know, as they approach 50, um, and, and, and say, listen, I, I want to be open. I want to be open about what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I, you need to tell me what you want. Um, it's not easy because given how we live these days, our kids are all over the place. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure out a way to get, us, get them together. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways to have these family conversations is to you know, use the holidays as, as a means to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't do it at Thanksgiving dinner, right? But if you're around for the weekenders, or uh, you know, find a time to sit down when and, everybody's together anyway. When everybody's together, and and don't expect to get everything done in one sitting. Just say, listen, let's let's right. start the conversation, right? And it may take several. It, pro- it probably will take several conversations, and it also it takes a different conversation at each different stage of life. Mm. So when you're basically healthy, um, you can, you know, you have family conversations about, well, where are you going to, are you going to retire in your house? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to, you know, you want to age in place or you want to age in a retirement community? Um, you want to, um, you want to travel? And how do you want to live these, these few years? Mm. You know, recognizing what you said before, Scott, about, you know, these are, these are valuable, but short years. I'm just, I guess I'm just scared that the, if people are working longer, into their 70s, then there aren't that many retirement years. It depends. I mean, in the old days when you retired at 65 and lived to 85, well, you had 20 years to enjoy your retirement. But if you work until 74 and you die at 85, you know, it's, you got 11 years. That's not a lot. <laughs> that's true, but that's what we're talking about, phase retirement. So yeah. you start thinking about it earlier, and, and people do start, um, you know, taking what I call mini retirements. Mm-hmm. So. If you have a boss who is amenable, you know, take take a month off. You know, in your fifties, not in your sixties or seventies, mm-hmm. where you can start really looking at well, what is it you really want to do, and and you know, and, and maybe you know, my father never retired. You know, and and I think a lot of people don't want to ever fully retire. They just want to shift. Yeah, they want to shift their focus. They want to they they look they like what they're doing, but realistically, they they don't want to spend their entire time doing it. And so you, you can do that. So I think that living longer, you know, 
uh, enables you, whether you do it with an employer or not, enables you to have a phased retirement where you can, you know, you can do less of this or, or shift what you do. Right. All right. Now, I'm, I'll venture to say that anybody listening to today's show either is A, old enough to appreciate what we're saying, B, getting close to being old enough to appreciate what we're saying, or C, has parents that are already involved in the aging process. Right. And I mean, so I can't imagine somebody turning off the radio and saying, well, this doesn't appeal to me. This doesn't have anything to do with, well, it has something to do with everybody right. that could possibly be an earshot of this radio show. So what I want to do is talk about the Caregiving Navigator. Okay. W- what are we going to find in there, Ron, that is hard? Now, let me give you a perfect example. So my wife and I, many years ago, got the long-term care insurance. And we've been paying for it for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. It is not inexpensive. Right. Um, but we didn't really have any guidance. There was nobody that said, well, this is, th- there was no like source that we could have gone to and said, well, this is the best policy to get. This is the best company to be with and so on. Uh, does the caregiving navigator actually make recommendations of what people should stay away from, what people should should uh, get or acquire, in addition to all the great advice that it gives? Yeah. It doesn't give specific recommendations, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of well, these are good policies or not. You know, that's something that can change, mm-hmm. you know. Um, also, you know, I don't, I, I, my, my preference is to give people resources. So mm-hmm. to your example, long-term care insurance, mm-hmm. you know, I don't say, well, these are the, the companies that are the best companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I say is that, okay, if you're going to get long-term care insurance, what do you want to ask for? What, what do you need to know, know about these policies? There are lots of things you can, you can, you need to know about how these policies are structured. Mm-hmm. What are the things you consider? You know, there are things like waiting periods. There are triggers that put you know, the policy into effect. You know, so I, I say, if you're considering a policy, number one, this is where you find the companies that offer it. Mm-hmm. So when you talk to representatives of these companies, these are the questions you need to ask them. Mm-hmm. And you may have more questions, but here's a basic template. Because I think, you know, so there are lots of checklists. There are lots of lists of resources. Um, and I give, I give people, you know, sort of directed guidance you know, in terms of how to make decisions about it. Because mm. it's hard because everybody has a different caregiving experience and different needs. Mm. So I'm not going to say prescriptively, well, do this. Mm. I'll say, well, here's the things you need to think, consider. Mm. And you need to look at them, talk with your family, and figure out what things are priorities for you. Mm. So in terms of long-term care insurance, a lot of people, as you, as you mentioned, it's expensive. So I say, well, here are the different kinds of policies. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there are hybrid policies that are now people are getting with uh, – with um, life insurance policies, so these are the different kinds of policies to consider. Mm. Now sit down and you know and, and figure out you know what you need to do that fits your needs. Right. So if you had to pick out some highlights, you know, from the book, it's it's a substantial book. Uh, I'm going to get mine signed today. All right. Um, what 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 sort of advice would you give to people who are in the position of having aging parents or aging themselves? Right. Well, the first one is what we mentioned before about planning. So I say planning, planning, planning. And, and recognize that um, the plan may change. You know, it's just a draft. But have something you know, that in the works. Because inevitably, you're going to probably you know, plan A, plan B, plan C. But be, be, be working on it and be aware of it. Because the longer you put off planning, the fewer options you have, especially in things like long-term care. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thing, another thing is just I I, I list lots of different experts and in, in senior experts. Mm-hmm. There are lots of different fields from gerontologists. There are senior advisors. There are people who specialize in in helping you transition 
when you downsize or if you want to go move somewhere or you want to go into assisted living. So basically work with a team of experts. Mm. Don't try to do it yourself. It's, mm. this is, aging is a complicated business. Mm. Um, and so don't be afraid to ask people uh, when you need help. Um, so I, I list um, organizations where you can find these experts and then you can interview them in some cases. Like, um, you know, if, if you need, if one of your loved ones is going into a hospital or is getting um, some, going into a rehab facility, mm-hmm. there, are peop- there are patient advocates that you can work with to, you know, to help guide you through the system. Mm-hmm. So recognize that this is a team effort. A lot of it is your family and friends, but there are other professionals to engage, especially if you're having problems with your family or friends. Right. I hear you. So, so. What else? I mean, we all have to have the right insurance, the right um, financial support, and all of that other stuff. What about the emotional side of all this? Is there help in there too for people that are struggling with with the process? Yeah, yeah. There's lots of help, Scotty. There's, um, you know, there are there are social workers you can talk to. Mm-hmm. There are organizations. So there's the last section of the book, which is called "Caring for Yourself and Caregiver." Um, which is essential. The analogy a lot of people, or the metaphor a lot of people use is, you know, when a flight attendant comes around and says, well, if the, ox- if the oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself first, mm-hmm. right? Don't don't try to do it with your children because if you pass out, you're no good to them. Right. So there, there's a whole section about caring for yourself. And there are, there, there, there are organizations, especially, for example, if you the one of the hardest periods, right, is, is when your parents, you know, get increasingly... Uh, severe dementia right? mm. that's very hard mm. tough so there are support like the Alzheimer's Association and other I list there are actually four good organizations on Long Island mm-hmm. that offer support and education for uh, people who take care of those with, with dementia you know go to these organizations they have support groups mm. there's a support group for almost there are support groups for different chronic diseases but there's support groups for Alzheimer's patients there are general caregiving support groups so talk to people who are going through the same experience you are, mm. you know, and, and say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going through. And they say, well, this is what I did. This mm. is what helped. So the help is there. And, and so I list, you know, where you can find these support groups. How about all this explosion, though, of dementia? I, I mean, we didn't even talk about it 50 years ago. It was not on the radar, you know, occasionally. Right. Occasionally. But now it's because people are living longer. You know, there's more dementia, and there's also more recognition of it, and more, um, I think, healthcare realization of it. Right. Um, but wow, it's exploded. Yeah, that's one of the you know the outcomes of a the baby boom generation. Yeah. A big big population living longer, living healthier for a while, but you know, you know, dementia isn't um, the product of age, mm. but as you get older, the risk increases. So. Mm. The risk increases dramatically when you're in your 80s, um, and there, but there is also you know uh, early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, you know, and as you just mentioned, I mean that some of it is just recognition, diagnosis. You know, as you said, in the old days people said, oh, he's just going senile, mm. right? That's what it was, senility. Mm. No real understanding about dementia and the different kinds of dementia, uh, and also the, there. They're working pretty furiously trying to come up with some cures. Mm. Um, there's no cure yet. Um, there are ways to, they've, they've found a couple of things that they think can target it, can slow it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it will happen. It will happen. Um, 
in the meantime, though, there are things that I think that as, as we also work on keeping healthier, they have discovered that, um, that there, there are ways to reduce the risk of dementia by being healthier. Healthier eating does make a difference. Getting sleep, proper sleep makes a difference. If, that's one thing they've discovered is getting you know, poor sleep increases your risk of dementia. Mm. So we're finding, we are honing in on different aspects of the diseases um, and, and what you can do about them to live healthier and longer um, and, and work with people um, who are especially trained to communicate with people uh, who have uh, Alzheimer's. Yeah. So there's a whole process of training and there are good people who will help you say, listen, you know, people are, you know, who have Alzheimer's have no future or past during the present. Mm. So what do you do with that? How do you, how do you appreciate that? How do you live with them? How do you stop trying to be stressed out and manage them all the time? Just be with them. And then, oh, again, how to find support, how to get respite. That's mm. a big thing these days. Mm. Recognizing it, you know, just when you were a parent raising your kids, you know, it was, uh, it was you know, interminable. You know, you never got to sleep, you know. Mm. So what, did you, what was your respite? Your grandparents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was your respite. Mm-hmm. But but what is the equivalent of, of and sometimes it can be grandparents still, mm. or but are friends finding ways to get relief so that you're not overwhelmed? Because people talk about being overwhelmed. Um, the, the, so caregivers, interestingly, there are 53 million family caregivers across the country, and yet we feel alone. We feel isolated. You know, often what happens is that people don't come around. You know, they you start. Your friends, they don't intentionally avoid you, but they're like, they're, they're too busy. And you don't reach out because you don't want to, you know, bother people. But, but that's the reality is don't feel alone. All right, one more time, I want you to give how people can get the book and when people can hear your podcast. Uh, you can just go to Amazon.com and search for Caregiving Navigator by Ronald E. Rowell. Um, that should pop up. Um, and also, uh, if you want to listen to me on podcast, it's 45 forward. Go to the voice, go to voiceamerica.com. It's internet radio mm-hmm. and click on it. And it's, it'll take you, if you hit 45 forward, it'll take you to, to a link to the show and my previous archive of podcasts. Okay. Fantastic. Ron, thank you so much for being with us today. Great, great, great information, a tough subject and you handled it beautifully. Thank you so much. Quite All welcome. Right. Um, we'll be back uh, next week. Actually, I, I do want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. I'm going to be missing next week's show, but we're going to have the best of Radio Jobline on the air. Uh, if you have an idea for Radio Jobline, write to me, scottp118 at gmail.com. Happy to have you on the show. Don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving uh, with lots of joy and love and peace. We all peace. Uh, see you next week, everybody. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.